This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. So sometimes you plan a show and you have a topic and you know what's going to be going on. And then all of a sudden, the weekend kind of changes everything. I think most of you are probably aware, unless you've been living under a rock, that there is, of course, massive news uh, coming out of the Middle East. Uh, you have Hamas in Israel, uh, obviously an attack there, a retaliation then by the Israeli government now coming. It's all very horrible. Uh, there's a lot to say about it. Um, I'll, I'll probably get into it a little bit here, though I want to write my thoughts down about it. I think there, there's a large issue that probably needs to be addressed. Uh, right now, tempers are really hot for understandable reasons. Everybody's got a hot take right now. Uh, but but I think there's there's a deeper issue that, that we need to dig into. But I'll probably talk about that a little here in a second. So as you are also probably aware, over the last uh, week or so, we had a one-two punch uh, uh, from Hillary Clinton and from Newsweek talking about basically why and how the MAGA coalition should be treated as domestic terrorists, how these people should be treated as enemies of the state, uh, why different federal agencies should go after them or how these people should be treated by the government uh, once Hillary Clinton and people like her uh, kind of get their way. Uh, we're going to dive into all of that, guys. But before we do, let me go ahead and tell you a little bit about our sponsor today, Birch Gold. Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to fall. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar weakens. And that's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text ORIN to 989898 for your free info kit on gold. With thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the US dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Text ORIN to 989898 to claim your free info kit now. All right, so I guess let's go ahead and start with current news first. Like I said, I'm not going to let this dominate the whole stream today. This is not going to be an episode just on the current going on in the Middle East, because again, it's a complicated issue. There are going to be plenty of people with very angry hot takes again, understandably. So uh, really terrible, tragic stuff happening there right now. Again, no matter how people feel about different sides involved in this, the, the life, the loss of life is just, is just awful. And the, the way that Hamas of course launched its attack was, was often against civilians, children, women. And so uh, that in and of itself is just, is just a horrific thing to behold. If you've seen any of the pictures, I encourage you really just not, not to go looking for them because uh, they're, they're, it's not great stuff. But that said, there's, there's going to be a lot of people with fiery takes on this. M my initial response is this. A lot of people want to rush and talk about what America needs to do. It's all about what America has to do. What you have going on right now in the Middle East, between the Israelis and the Palestinians, is a long, complicated, and ugly ethnic blood feud that goes back many, many generations, or depending how you want to look at it, many, many centuries, you know, millennia yeah, at, at this point. So when you're looking at this scenario, looking at America as the primary actor, as as what is what it's America's duty to do is a mistake. 
again, people can have and have very good arguments <laughs> for for their fiery opinion about this. You know, the the many people uh, want to just have an immediate reaction by the United States. But that's not what the United States military is for. And that's not what the United States military budget is for. That's not what our congressional, that's not what our taxes go to. That's not what this is supposed to be about, okay? Just like we seem far more interested in the goings-on in Ukraine and protecting Ukrainians, uh, the, the borders of Ukraine and funding the Ukrainian government and the Ukrainian bureaucracy, all of a sudden becomes really important for the United States to be far more interested in the defense and borders of another nation. Now, again, you can feel the deep tragedy of what happened to many innocent civilians because of this Hamas attack. That's an understandable thing. That's the nature, modern nature of news. But immediately exploding and saying, now it's time for America to act. Oh, this is, you know, there had people like Nikki Haley saying, this is an attack on America. Like, that's not how this works, guys. <laughs> that, that, that's not how this works. Now, there are, there's a, a fair case for people saying, Joe Biden just sent billions of dollars to Iran. Okay, yeah, you, you've got an excellent point, right? And, they, and the, this is probably what emboldened uh, you know, the, the Palestinian attack. You, you might be right about that, probably, probably true. But that's just an argument for less <laughs> involvement by the United States in any of these countries. That, that is not an endorsement of, well, now that Joe Biden spent this much money and gave it to a hostile government over here, we need to go ahead and give it to another government in the Middle East over here to balance this out, or we need to be militarily involved for some reason. Like, that's not how this works. You don't infinitely chase this, you know, put, throw more money in, throw more military in, get more involved, fall further down this. No, that's not how this works. And if you haven't noticed, Unfortunately, across many major cities across different Western nations, including the United States, including in places like New York, there have been these huge flare-ups of Palestinians and Israeli supporters going to the public square, chanting each other, screaming at each other, sometimes devolving into violence. Okay, what this should be, the message that should be clearly sent by this is how we should not be involving ourselves in this and how we should not be opening our borders and allowing people come in to bring these blood feuds these ancient blood feuds into the united states that that should really be the message really that we understand here okay that again while israel might be completely within its rights to defend itself from what just happened from hamas and Many people will look at the response from Israel and what happens to Palestinian civilians and feel the same way. That, that's going to happen. You're going to see that, that narrative too. The point is, this is not America's fight. This is not the reason the United States military exists. This is not why we pay our taxes. This is not where our blood or treasure goes. It would be nice if that stuff went to defending our own borders, protecting our own interests protecting us from the constant influx of people who will bring inevitably the con ancient conflicts of their civilizations and their peoples here and act them out in the streets of our nation. That's the stuff that should really be focused on at the moment. I'm sorry, but no one is going to solve this disagreement between the Palestinians and Israelis. And the United States is not going to do that either. No international actor is going to do that, and neither is the United States. And that's just the way it's going to be. And that's a terrible fact of life, that two groups of people can be this deeply inflamed at each other, can feel this deep generational resentment that constantly acts itself out in a cycle of violence. But that is not the United States' problem. And that's not the way we should be treating it. Like I said, that's all I'm going to get into today. I'm going to write something longer. I'm going to, I don't, I don't want to fly completely off the cuff on it. Cause like I said, I think there's plenty of hot takes. If you want to go find them, they're, they're everywhere on both sides of this thing. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think that's why people come here. And so I'm going to do something. I think a little more thoughtful on it. Take, take a moment on it, write something more in depth here. So that said, I want to go ahead and get into the main topic of the stream which is 
uh, you know, the way that Trump supporters are being treated, you know, because like we still have a country here. I know the current thing is happening somewhere else. I know we went from Ukrainian, uh, you know, current thing to now Israeli Palestine current thing. And now all of our military funding has to go from last current thing, probably to current current thing. I wonder how that's going to work. Is the Ukrainian army just going to collapse because now all of our funding has to go into the least? I don't know. It's, it's, it seems insane. Anyway, the point is, while all those current things are happening, uh, political opponents of the current regime are being targeted explicitly <laughs> in the United States. And that seems way more important to me. That, that, that actually seems like the most important thing happening right now. Since we keep talking about how sacred our democracy is, maybe we should focus on the actual direct threats to uh, things like the ability of another party to ever get elected in the United States again have anybody who would ever say i don't know disentangle us from foreign wars to ever get elected again maybe we should look in into that maybe that's the far more important thing to think about at the moment so let me go ahead and play you a clip from hillary clinton uh from an interview she he did here recently where she explicitly calls for uh basically like a a a a, a, a re-education like a communist re-education camp for trump supporters Strong partisans in both parties in the past, uh, and we had very bitter battles over all kinds of things, gun control and climate change and the economy and taxes. But there wasn't this little tail of extremism waving, you know, wagging the dog of the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Mm -hmm. And sadly, so many of those extremists. I would like to remind you, because this is my favorite thing about the, the the interesting way that the Democrats ratchet this. So I remember when every Republican was an extremist when I was a kid. I was like, I was constantly told this by the media. I was constantly constantly told this by people like Hillary Clinton. John McCain was was a was a bloodthirsty murderer. Okay, they might have been more right about that than. But anyway, the point being is. You know, they were always talking about how extreme the Republican Party was. They were always talking about how crazy they were, how they were these wild eyed, you know, people who are looking to take away your rights. Joe Biden said that Mitt Romney was going to put black people back in chains. This has always been the rhetoric of the Democrats. And so you'll notice here that she's taking the time to ratchet that back. Say, oh, oh, they, you know, just a few years ago, there, there was a very normal, you know, we had our back and forth. We had our differences. But there was a normal, uh, you know, exchange, and now they've gotten crazy and insane. Now, I think in some ways they actually do feel that's true because uh, Donald Trump is not the controlled Mitt Romney, John McCain, George Bush type of candidate that they expected. Like that was always the feeling, right? That was always made people sick about American politics is that they looked at American politics, they looked at what the way that the people like the Clintons. Uh, and the Bushes talked about each other, and it sounded like an existential battle, right? It sounded like a fever pitch battle for the future of America. Every uh, election is the most important election of our lifetime. It was always that kind of rhetoric. But then when these people got together, they seemed to be like friends. They would schmooze each other. They would go to the same parties. You know, we we now see these um, these pictures of Barack, or, or, or rather Michelle Obama and George Bush, uh, George W. Bush, like you know, holding each other and hugging each other. They like each other's paintings and whatever. Like, that is the way they treat each other now, right? And so you always felt like, even though we were supposed to be in this pitched cultural and uh, battle and then this political battle, they never really believed it. At the end of the day, these people were still closer to each other than they were to the actual American people they were supposed to be representing. However, I think the, the thing that changed is that Trump was not from that cast. And he spoke to people in a way that made it clear that that back and forth was false. And so Hillary Clinton is trying to call back to that moment where we would get Mitt Romney's uh, and John McCain candidates. Uh, and, you know, they, they are genuinely afraid of people like Trump and anyone who would follow Trump with the same kind of energy because he's no longer inside that control dynamic. They were pretending to hate each other before, but now they actually see a threat on the horizon and they want to call that out. Those mega extremists um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, 
you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. And how do you so there has to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members. I, I want to be clear. That is not a mistake by Hillary Clinton. You already knew she hated you. She already called you a basket of deplorables. She already didn't care if you lost your job. She already didn't care if your kids got addicted to fentanyl. She already didn't care if your kids are getting mutilated because of what they learned at school. Like she already did not care about those things, right? She already hated you. You knew that. That was not a surprise to you. If you're listening to me, you are very aware that Hillary Clinton despises you and wishes ill on you. She's not looking to govern you in the sense of your well-being. She's looking to re-educate you. And she says, she says specifically, she's not like, ah, ha, ha, they might have to be re-educated. We need a formal re-education. She wants a denazification program for you. That's what she's saying, to be really clear. She, she sees you as an existential enemy. And she thinks that the government needs to formally put you in a position where it forces you to think a different way. None of those words are a mistake from Hillary Clinton. She meant every one of them. Okay, she hasn't come back and apologized. She hasn't come out and said she's misspoken. She meant every single one of those words. And Hillary Clinton is not alone. Hillary, this is not just, you know, she's, she's not just an evil lizard person, though she is. Uh, but she is not just by herself the only person pushing this kind of agenda. Okay? This is a common feeling amongst the progressive Democratic leadership. This is a very common feeling about how they should treat it. And they are taking that feeling and they are injecting it directly into our state institutions. This is not just something they talk about at cocktail parties. This is not just something that they write in a crazy college paper somewhere. Those things are the ruling class talking about what they're going to do next. And then they do. And so these things are being manifested. They're being manifested in institutions like the FBI. They're being manifested in institutions like the Department of Homeland Security. And in case you were wondering, is that all shadowy stuff happening in a corner somewhere? No. Newsweek came out with an article letting us know that, they, that we have direct evidence that this is actually the active steps being put, done inside the FBI. Now, again, you probably already knew that, right? You have seen... The fact that the FBI has gone after parents who are protesting, uh, you know, their kids being indoctrinated by gender ideology, being forced to learn to hate themselves due to the color of their skin. We already knew the FBI was targeting parents who protested that. We already knew that the FBI was spying on Catholic churches that did traditional Latin masses because they believe that that was an indicator for possible extremism. Right. So, so they are spying on churches. They are uh, attacking parents. They are threatening parents who disagree with the indoctrination of their children. Joe Biden got up in front of the presidential seal with a red blood, red background, talking about how all of his opponents were basically fascists. He called them semi-fascists. I don't know what the difference is between that. But what I do know is that the left has made it very clear that you are allowed to punch people like that. And so this has all been leading up to violence and criminalization against Trump supporters. It's been very clear that's the case. In any case, you, again, in case there was any confusion about that fact, they've been bringing criminal charges against Donald Trump. They've been bringing ridiculous and extreme and exorbitant charges against people of January 6th who were barely involved or didn't even go in the building, had almost nothing to do with it. They've been bringing charges against people who literally just made memes and posted them on Twitter. Douglas Mackey is facing 10 years in jail for this. Okay. That's how they've been treating Trump supporters. That's how they've been viewing the political opposition in the United States. Oh, something terrible is happening in other countries. That's sad. Guess what? There is an emergency here now that will determine what, if anything, you are involved with going forward with those other nations. So you might want to pay attention to this because it's way more important. So here's Hillary Clinton just saying that out loud. But I also want to get into the article here because that's far more in depth and it gives us far more details about uh, what's going on specifically, again, with the FBI and the DHS. But before we do that, guys, let's hear from our other sponsor today, ISI. 
Universities today aren't just neglecting real education, they're actively undermining it, and we can't let them get away with it. America was made for an educated and engaged citizenry. The Intercollegiate Studies Institute is here to help. ISI offers programs and opportunities for conservative students across the country. ISI understands that conservatives and right-of-center students feel isolated on college campuses and that you're often fighting for your own reputation, dignity, and future. Through ISI, you can learn about what Russell Kirk called the permanent things, the philosophical and political teachings that shaped and made Western civilization great. ISI offers many opportunities to jumpstart your career. They have fellowships at some of the nation's top conservative publications like National Review, The American Conservative, and The College Thinker. If you're a graduate student, ISI offers funding opportunities to sponsor the next great generation of college professors. Through ISI, you can work with conservative thinkers who are making a difference, thinkers like Chris Rufo, who currently has an ISI researcher helping him with his book. But perhaps most importantly, ISI offers college students a community of people that can help them grow. If you're a college student, ISI can help you start a student organization or a student newspaper or meet other like-minded students at their various conferences and events. ISI is here to educate the next generation of great Americans. To learn more, go to ISI.org. That's ISI.org. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into this article from Newsweek. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's fairly long, and at some point you're going to get the general idea. But it is important because, again, it is bringing us some important details. Now, another thing to keep an eye on as you're looking at this article, guys, of course, when we look at pieces from the media, we always want to look beyond the words. We want to look up at the, the at the intentions of it, the framing of it. Why is the language being used? It's being used. Now, this should be, if we had anything approaching an actual press, like if the fourth estate did anything like we pretended did, if journalists actually went in and went after power and spoke truth to power and that kind of thing, we would never get an article framed like this. This would be a scandal. This would be a terrible, insane thing. This would be, journalists would be screaming about the, the terror of the police state that's descending upon us. But of course, the journalists in Newsweek all agree with everything the Biden administration is going to do here. They're totally on board with it. So this piece is really a celebration. Like, yes, they're going to whinge for a moment. Oh, maybe we have to worry about constitutional freedoms. Oh, we have to be careful about how we do this. But every word of this is totally supportive of the Biden administration, of the FBI, of the DOJ, of the DHS, and their desire to throw Trump supporters in jail. That, that's all this is. So they'll use, a, they'll, they'll use a little language here and there, but I just want you to notice how they approach this because, again, people have to break themselves from this idea that at some point in the past, the you know, journalism was just objective and it told the truth and it, you know, gonna, it was going to control the power of government because the freedom of the press, that is not how this has worked. This is never how this has worked. And it's certainly not how it's working now. These people are working hand in glove with the Biden administration. I promise you, the only reason you know about this, the only reason this article exists is because those in power want you to know. This is not some scoop. This is not some, uh, you know, gotcha on the Biden administration. This is a celebration. This is a press release read to you by a press that 100% supports everything being done in this article. That said, let's go ahead and jump into it. The federal government believes that the threat of violence and major civil disturbances around 2024 presidential election is so great that has quietly created a new category of extremists that it seeks to track and counter Donald Trump's army of MAGA followers. So right off the bat, we're, it's not unclear here. This is not some kind of speculation. It's not that there's a fuzzy category here. The security apparatus of the United States, the deeply corrupt institutions of the FBI, the, D, the DHS, the DOJ, everything the Biden administration controls, is being mobilized specifically to target everyone who voted for Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not some random guy. He is the opposition to the current sitting regime. He is the major opposition, the lead uh, candidate 
for the party that is going to be the only serious opposition to those in power. The announcement that the might of the U.S. government is aimed squarely at everyone who disagrees with it should, again, like fire in the rafters, right? This should be the the revelation of the century. It should be, if, if we pretended like the United States is actually a free country that actually has a free press and actually has free elections, this should be an amazing thing that blows all of that wide open, right? But they're just acting like it's, yeah, that, that's what we're doing now, right? That this is how we conduct politics in the United States. The government turns its force and its, uh, and its infrastructure and its surveillance on half the population that disagrees with them. Donald Trump got a massive amount of votes. He got like 80 million votes, right? All of those people are potential extremists. All of these people are dangerous to the state. What does that mean? It means that political opposition is going to be outlawed in the United States. Technically, you can still vote for somebody else. Technically, you can do that stuff. But actually, if you support anyone who might really stop what's going on in the United States, somebody who might actually change the policies in the United States, the government is going to target you. That is what this article has said and what it essentially supports. The challenge of the FBI and the primary, which is the primary federal agency charged with law enforcement, is to pursue and prevent what it calls domestic terrorism without direct reference to political parties or affiliations. Uh, even though the vast majority of its current anti-government investigations are Trump supporters according to classified data obtained by Newsweek. Now, to be really clear, in 2020, we had a massive anti-government operation. We had a massive anti-authority operation. It was called Black Lives Matter. Now, for those who know, that's not exactly true, right? If you've paid attention to me or my buddy academic agent, you know that actually those are counter-revolutionary forces. They were not revolutionary forces. Um, the, the progressives were the ones in charge. The left were the ones in charge. And BLM were their foot soldiers. They were counter-revolutionary foot soldiers against uh, people like Trump. Uh, but, but the main narrative is, right, even at that time in 2020, that those people were anti-government. I mean, they literally built an autonomous zone in multiple places, including Seattle, right? Like they literally said, we are done with government here. And people died. Kids got killed. There was a warlord in the chat because of this. That, that's, that's what was happening in 2020. That's a major anti-government operation. I mean, there, there are parts of Seattle that were under siege for months. Government buildings were under siege for months in Seattle from Antifa protesters during this time. That's how they were approaching this. A, a lot of people forget because now even you know many people on the right only focus on what happened in January 6th, but there were massive protests that were violent in Washington, D.C. near the White House. They thought the president was in serious danger. <coughs> Excuse me. So this idea that all of the threats, all the anti-government threats come from Donald Trump or his supporters is a complete and total political fabrication. We know for a fact that just a few years ago, there was a massive and direct attack on local governments, on state governments, and on the federal government, at least in theory, by Black Lives Matter and Antifa. It was organized. The people were politically organized. They were financially organized and backed often by members of our own government. They were bailed out by people like the current vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, and celebrities who were very proud about that fact. Okay. And the idea that all of this is just current, it just history started on January 6th. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, 
Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Is insane. It's absolutely insane. But that, that's what we're going to go with. That none of those things happen. All of that is memory hold. The fact that BLM and Antifa murdered dozens of people, burned down billions and billions of dollars of property, threatened the lives of so many people, injured so many people, cops, civilians, whatever. Doesn't matter. All of a sudden, that's all vanished. And all the extremism just happens to be located in the MAGA coalition, just happens to be located in the political opponents of the current regime. The FBI is almost in, in an almost impossible position, says the current FBI official who requested to remain anonymous. The official said the FBI is intent on stopping domestic terrorism and any repeat of, again, January 6th. It's the only thing that happened. Nothing happened before January 6th. None of the domestic terrorism that, was, that went on, none of the violent rights that went on for months and months across the entire United States, it all vanished. And there's now only January 6th. But the Bureau must also preserve the constitutional rights of all Americans to campaign, speak freely, and protest the government. By focusing on former President Trump and his Make America a Great Again MAGA supporters, the official said the Bureau runs the risk of provoking the very anti-government activists uh, the, that the terrorism agency hopes to, encounter, or hopes to counter. So again, we're going to pretend that none of these leftist activists were violent that all of that happens inside the right. Now they're going to whinge here about, oh, well, but we're also, we recognize the challenge. We recognize the challenge of only targeting our political opponents. We can understand how only targeting specifically the people who oppose us politically and ignoring the violent, murderous, riotous, you know, attacks by BLM and Antifa, by just ignoring that stuff, we could, we, you know, we're, we're, we could notice maybe that that seems like we're targeting one part. So, so we still have to maintain the constitutional rights. How do you do that? You don't. The answer is very obvious. You have no interest in maintaining the constitutional rights. This is all dog and pony show. And to be really clear, Newsweek knows this. The reporters writing this know this. They are not concerned about the constitutional rights of Trump supporters. They're not expressing their, their journalistic integrity by questioning whether or not this could go too far. This is a piece designed to carry, to, to birth the baby, okay? This is a midwife piece. It's meant to take a political narrative that's been pregnant for a long time and deliver it into the world. The narrative is we've got to re-educate We've got to destroy. We've got to imprison our political opponents. Hillary Clinton says it out loud. She's not confused. She knows what the goals are. That's what they're saying. That's the narrative. We need to have the power to unleash the FBI and the DHS and every other part of the United States government onto our political opponents if necessary. That's what the that's the 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 political baby, the the narrative baby that is being birthed here. But the way you birth it is you express some concerns, though dismissing them ultimately. Uh, ultimately, they don't really matter, right? Ultimately, they're, they're, they're you know, we don't worry. Top men, experts are, are worried about this. Top scholars are worried about this. So that's okay. So that means they're, they're watching over us and it's okay to go ahead and make this happen. They're normalizing the language. They're bringing it in to being, surrounding it with a little bit of hesitation. Uh, you know, it's not happening, but well, if it was happening, we we would keep an eye on it. We'd make sure that it'd be careful with it. Okay, maybe it has been happening, but don't worry. You know, we're the, the press will watch out. They'll make sure it doesn't go far. Okay, no, actually, it's been happening the whole time, and it's a good thing that it was, right? We know the cycle. We, we know the cycle at this point. And that's exactly what's happening here. That's how they're trying to advance the narrative, especially at a time when the White House is facing congressional Republican opposition, claiming that the Biden administration has weaponized the Bureau against the right wing. It has to be treated very carefully, the official says. I want to make it really clear. The White House is not facing congressional Republican opposition. It is not, okay? If there was real congressional Republican opposition, the FBI would be unfunded. The DHS would be unfunded. And I say, that's, that's crazy, Oren. You can't do that. 
What, what if we don't have federal law enforcement? What if we don't have a Department of Homeland Security preventing terrible attacks on us? Well, they are committing those attacks right now. They are specifically provably targeting the people that the Republican Party is supposed to represent. And the Republican Party refuses to protect those people. They'll mouth the words, oh, they're, they're weaponizing the Department of Justice. Okay, you're in Congress. You're in the Senate. What are you going to do about it? The answer is nothing. They're not going to deny these people a dime. They're not going to do anything about it because they're fake opposition. At most, they're going to mouth platitudes about how, uh, oh, the Biden administration is criminal. They're, uh, you know, it's only a matter of time before the next investigation is going to catch these people, right? Like, I'm sorry. No. Like, these guys know they're perfectly safe. They know they control these levers of power. And they know the Republicans aren't going to do anything about it. That's part of the reason that McCarthy got uh, bounced, right? I did this, uh, this rant last week about, you know, whether, however you feel about Matt Gates, like, the reason that McCarthy's vulnerable to these kind of things is he promised to have some kind of ap actual opposition. And he refused to make any influence, you know, to use the budget, to use the power of the purse, the power of the house, which is the thing it's supposed to have by, you know, the, the constitutional authority. He refused to use any of that to stop his political enemies. Okay. Or the people who are supposed to, in theory, be his political enemies. And so he got bounced. Is he going to be replaced by somebody who's going to actually use that power? Probably not. I, would, I wouldn't hold my breath. I don't think there's going to be any really serious improvement there. But the point is, you know, yeah, they're 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 saying that it's it's op it, it, that it's weaponized and it is weaponized. Obviously, it's weaponized. It is very clear. In fact, we have direct evidence printed in in the pages of places like Newsweek that this has been weaponized. That that's the point. But again, it, it's about birthing this baby, right? We need to midwife this baby. So so we we express the concerns, we acknowledge the concerns, we we bring about some areas where we might have to keep an eye on the concerns, but ultimately we move forward with the project and we normalize the project. Newsweek spoke to a dozen uh, current or former government officials who specialize in terrorism in a three-month investigation to understand the current domestic security landscape and to evaluate what the president administration is doing about what it calls domestic terrorism. Again, you'll notice that their job here was not to expose. They're not bringing to light what should be a huge scandal. They frame this specifically as a fact-finding mission to judge whether or not the political persecution of the other side is justifiable. And of course their answer will be yes, right? Like so so they they immediately again uh you know, oh, we're doing our job. We're investigating. We're journalists. We we in-depth the three-month investigation. No, <laughs> if you were doing your job, this would be a uh, you know, blowing the hinges off this what is clearly unconstitutional operation, but it you know, they're fine with it, so it's okay. Uh, most requested anonymity because obviously, uh, Newsweek has uh, also reviewed secret FBI and Department of Homeland Security data that tracks it and incidents, threats, investigation cases to try to build a better picture. While experts agree with the current partisan environment is charged and uniquely dangerous. Uh, with the threat of not only violence, but in the most extreme scenarios, possibly civil war. Again, come on, guys. Uh, many also question whether terrorism is the most effective way to describe the problem or the methods of counterterrorism developed over the past decade in response to Al-Qaeda and other Islamic groups uh, can constitute the most fruitful way to craft domestic solutions. So again, we're, yeah, we're totally going to use the Patriot Act. We're totally going to use uh, the techniques of the war on terror, and we're going to bring them uh, home and turn them on conservatives, turn them on MAGA supporters, turn them on Donald Trump supporters. We're going to do that, but but is that the right thing to do? I mean, you know, there as journalists, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna raise this question. We're not actually going to push back against it in any significant way, but we're going to raise the question. The answer is, of course, no. <laughs> but but that does not matter. Uh, they're totally going to do it. The current political environment is not something that the FBI is necessarily responsible for, nor should it be. Oh, but the FBI is very responsible. The FBI has been taking an active role in domestic politics, including jailing and prosecuting people specifically do their political stances. So actually, the FBI is entirely, well, not entirely, I shouldn't say, but very responsible 
has, has bears a large amount of the weight of responsibility. So that's just a direct lie planted there to set the FBI as some kind of neutral institution in your mind when it is very clearly not. The threat posed by domestic violent extremists is persistent, evolving, and deadly. The FBI goal is to detect, stop terrorist attacks, and our focus is on potential crime, violence, uh, violations, violence, threats of violence. Anti-government or anti-authority violent extremism is only one category of domestic terrorism, as well as, well as the FBI's uh, top uh, threat priorities. We are committed to protecting the safety and constitutional rights of all Americans and will never open investigation based solely on First Amendment protected activity, including a person's political beliefs and affiliation. That's a lie. He's obviously lying. That is not true. That is that is just not the case. The FBI is lying there. Uh, on top of this, the FBI, again, is not interested at all in anti-authority or anti-government extremism. Or again, I, so here's how I, sh I, sh I should clarify this again for people who might not understand this. In our definition, like if you're someone on the right, or you're a conservative, and you're on the outside of this, you look at BLM, you look at Antifa, and you say, these people are obviously anti-authority. They are obviously anti-government. That is anti-government and anti-authority violence. That is anti-authority extremism. Now, should a nation uh, that is founded on the Declaration of Independence and, and the Sons of Liberty uh, be, be yelling about anti-government action? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe maybe that's not how that works. But how? either way, the point is, if you're looking at it from the outside as a right-winger or a conservative, you might say that's anti-government action. How could the FBI not recognize that? Well, actually, the FBI has already told you. The FBI has already specifically said, people like Christopher Ray have already said, Antifa is not a group, it's an idea. And they've specifically said that they do not log violence like uh, that done by BLM as left-wing violence. So the amazing thing is if you control the institutions, you can control what is considered political violence and what is not. So January 6th is the, you know, the scariest political violence of all time. When the only person who died from that violence was Ashley Babbitt, an unarmed Trump supporter who was murdered. That's the only person who died directly from the political violence during that day. Plenty of people were killed. Dozens of people were killed by the, by the actions of BLM and Antifa. But none of that counts as political violence because the people who control the institutions control the statistics and they control the categorization and they decide what they actually keep records on. So when they say, oh, the, the Trump supporters are the most dangerous, MAGA supporters are the most dangerous. Yes, because you specifically engineered that to be the case. You specifically cooked the stats on purpose to make it look that way. If you ignore all the political violence on the left and you hype up any political violence that might exist on the right, then yes, magically you wave your wand and it turns out the right wing is the extremist. The Trump people are the extremists. What an amazing trick you've done by simply being in charge of these institutions. But there's a deeper truth here. Okay, there's a deeper truth here. Yes, they're ignoring this so that they can cook the books. But also, BLM and Antifa were not actually anti-government or anti-authority extremists they were counter-revolutionary troops of the regime trump was not supposed to be in charge trump was a not supposed to be in charge people this guy terrified them and let's be clear even though he was hated by a lot of people trump was flying high on a good economy now you can say rightfully so that that economy was also based on a bunch of Overprinted money, cooked books, investments, whatever. I think no matter what you want to say, it's very clear that the economy under Trump was much better. Gas prices were lower. People had more money in their pocketbooks. People could afford more things. Groceries were not insane like they are now. Like it is very clear the economic situation is better. If you're a president who's an incumbent president and you have a great economy and you haven't like lost a major war or something, or raised a bunch of taxes like uh, like George Bush Sr. did, then the chances of you losing your election are really low. Like you're probably getting reelected. The left is perfectly aware of the fact that Trump was on track to get reelected. And they needed to get rid of him. So what is BLM and what are Antifa? They are not revolutionary troops against authority. They are the foot soldiers of the regime acting against 
the revolutionary situation that occurred when somebody like Donald Trump, who is not part of the Uniparty, not part of the controlled opposition, got into power. Now, again, Trump is deeply flawed. If you don't think Trump should be reelected, I get it. If you don't think that Trump should be the, the next GOP candidate, I get it. I have disagreements with you, but I totally understand. Trump's not always the best person. Trump's not always the smartest person. Trump made a lot of bad decisions. I'm not, he's not a messiah. He's none of those things. I'm not, I'm not hyping up Trump as the last great hope of America. What I'm saying is this is the environment that was set up. So why don't the FBI count Antifa as a real organization? Why don't they count BLM as left-wing violence? Because they support them. It's really simple. This isn't a conspiracy theory. This isn't anything crazy. It's just obvious. They support these people. They support their message. They support what they do. That's why they ran cover for them. That's why they financed their release from prison. That's why they avoided bringing serious charges against them. That's why they didn't do massive investigations using the kind of facial recognition and uh, observation stuff that they're using for January 6th and why they didn't go after every single one of these people. Oh, they were marrying masks. Oh, plenty of them weren't. There are plenty of people you could have pinched. The FBI supported these people. That's it. That's the answer. That, that's why they're, they're not going after them. This isn't a mistake. This isn't hypocrisy. This is the establishment of a hierarchy. Left-wing foot soldiers commit violence in the name of the left-wing regime. They are rewarded. Right-wing opponents conduct what you could call a riot, fair enough, on January 6th, and they pay the full penalty. Why? Because we don't have an equal justice system, and we're not supposed to. That's not a mistake. That's a feature. That's something that they invested in heavily, something they wanted. White House declined to comment, blah, blah, blah. Uh, from the president down, the, pre the Biden administration has presented Trump and MAGA as an ex existential threat to American democracy and talked up the risk of domestic terrorism and violence associated with the 2024 election campaign. Again, they have to acknowledge this fact because it's obvious. So we're, we're birthing the baby, right? We're saying, oh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, sure, the Biden administration has basically called all of their political opponents terrorists and fascists. And yeah, they have more or less morally and rhetorically justified uh, all of this stuff toward towards them. And yes, they have made them the enemies of democracy. And we define democracy as like uh, whatever America is. And so we've called them basically enemies of America. And that means that we can are justified in basically doing anything to them. Yes, we recognize that they've done that, made that narrative association. But, you know, we agree with it. So it's fine. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans are a threat to the very soul of the country, President uh, Biden tweeted last September. I'd like to remind you that President Biden already also called uh, transgender children the soul of our country. So there you go. Uh, the first time that he explicitly signed out, uh, signaled out the former, singled out the former president. MAGA Republicans aim to question not only the legitimacy of past elections, but elections being held now and in the future. Now, of course, there's a long history of the Democratic Party, liberals, and the media all questioning elections up to and including, again, our current vice president, Kamala Harris, saying that she saw voting machines magically cheat in front of her. If you want the receipts on this, Molly Hemingway has a great book uh, called Rigged, and it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, um, extra votes or uh, magical vote totals being changed at, you know, after water pipes burst. So, you know, not discounting that either. But just basic facts about how the electoral system was specifically manipulated. And very interestingly, chapter and chapter of the Democratic Party, individual Democratic leaders, presidents, congressmen, vice presidents, the media, all questioning the validity of elections in the United States, questioning voting machines, questioning balloting measures, all of this stuff. It's all there, black and white. It's all there. So all this questioning of elections is nothing new. In fact, it's a classic Democratic strategy to throw into basically any election they lose. Stacey Abrams pretending that she was the governor of Georgia, right? Like, we know this, but they have to pretend like this is something that just magically appeared now. And this is a unique and specific threat that we are allowed to attack because our political enemies are doing this time and we don't like them very much. 
Biden's ho Biden Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood Randall said, the use of violence to pursue political ends is a profound threat to our public safety, national security. It's a threat to our national identity, our values, our norms, our rule of law or democracy, unless BLM or Antifa do it, in which case we totally agree with it and uh, we are going to fund it and we're going to ignore any connection and we are going to actively advance its goals. I added the last part there, but I think we all know that's actually what was meant. Uh, through the FBI's, uh, uh, though the FBI's data shows a dip in the number of investigations since the slew of January 6th cases ended, FBI Director Chris Wray uh, still says that the breach of the Capitol building was not an isolated event and the threat is not going away anytime soon. Reminder that Trump put Christopher Wray in power, so Trump is not exactly um, a, a solution to everything, uh, you know. Uh, again, I, he's not a magic wand. I'm not calling him a messiah figure here. Uh, just trying to explain that despite his many, many, many weaknesses, uh, the system viewed him as an existential threat for a reason and acted accordingly. Uh, in a joint report to Congress this June, the Bureau of uh, the Bureau and the Department of Homeland Investigation say that threats from DVEs. Oh, look, guys, domestic violent extremists. You've got your own abbreviation. Uh, has increased in the last two years, and any further increase in threats will likely correspond to potential flashpoints, such as high-profile elections and campaigns or contentious current events. I mean, yeah, obviously. Uh, the FBI and DHS report concludes sociopolitical developments, such as narratives of fraud in the recent general election, the emboldening impact of violent breach of the U.S. Capitol, conditions related to the COVID-19 pandemic, and conspiracy theories promoting violence will all uh, ultimately spur domestic terrorists to try to engage in violence. Again, you'll notice that all of the things that they just listed there are all the things that they accuse the right of doing, right? Again, there's no mention of stoking racial tensions uh, to you know encourage the burning down of cities and the looting of stores. Uh, there's no mention of manipulating uh, you know uh, body cam footage or released social media footage in an attempt to uh, inflame vi violent riots that or you know siege government buildings as Antifa members. None of that stuff matters. Amazingly, it's only the stuff Trump supporters do. But remember, we have to be very careful about you know impacting someone's First Amendment rights. We're very worried about that. We journalists and FBI people, we're very you know we're we're really uh, objective people, just playing it straight and down the middle. Just happens to be that all of our political enemies happen to line up, uh, you know, and be the bad people. Uh, the threats listed in that paragraph are all clearly associated with American right. Yeah. And in particular, the Trump MAGA supporters. Right, af uh, right after January 6th, the FBI co-authored a uh, restricted report in which it uh, shifted the definition of an anti-government, anti-authority, violent extremism from further furtherance of uh, an ideological agenda to furtherance of political or social agendas. For the first time, such groups could be labeled because of their politics. So shifted the definition from ideological extremism, which to be clear, it's, it's just another word for politics. But now we can specifically target them just because of their political association. Um, so we don't need evidence that they've been, you know, reading really salacious material on a website somewhere connected to scary people. Uh, if they just happen to have voted for the wrong guy, uh, if they just happen to, uh, you know, ha have uh, groups with, with the wrong politics. They, they can be identified here. It's a subtle change, little noticed, but a gigantic departure for the Bureau. Trump and his army supporters were acknowledged as a distinct, a distinct category of domestic violent extremism, even as the FBI was saying publicly that political views were uh, never part of its criteria to investigate or prevent domestic terrorism. Where the FBI sees threats is also plain from its way to categorize them. The system uh, on the surface is designed to appear nonpartisan. The shifting subtlety, uh, subtlety days after the events of January 6th when it comes to the Bureau, what the Bureau calls uh, the anti-government activists. Uh, we cannot and do not investigate ideology, a senior FBI official reassured the press. We focus on individuals who commit or intend to commit violence or criminal activity that constitutes a federal crime or poses a threat to national security. Of course, unless they're, say, manufacturing the, uh, you know, uh, the uh, abduction attempt of a governor. Right. Like instead, in, 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 unless uh, a guy, you know, is standing in a crowd and uh, calling out and encouraging people to commit uh, violence 
And we find out that actually uh, many people in that crowd just happen to be FBI agents or informants. Oh, what an amazing coincidence that over and over again, all of these groups are filled with uh, feds and they all happen to actually encourage people to actively do the acts that they are in theory investigating. How convenient that happens to be. Again, I think you guys get the idea of what's happening in this article. We know for sure that the state security apparatus is specifically targeting people for voting for Trump. It's no longer just you happen to be part of some kind of radical fringe internet extreme ideology or something. If you are a Trump supporter, you are in a category that is officially a heightened security risk labeled by the FBI. So half of the country, basically, anyone who opposed the sitting regime is a potential domestic terror threat. That's what they're saying. Now, again, Newsweek is, Newsweek is pretending to care about this, pretending like they're, they're calling you know, attention to this and, and the light on this, but they're really just bringing this forward so that you can normalize it. So you could feel like, well, okay, we understand the, the complexity and the concerns, but all the data says and all the experts say that this is a problem. And so really, we should go ahead and do it anyway. So what does this mean? It means a couple things. First, it means that um, there's a very serious problem in the United States. And that problem is just way more important, sorry, than the border security of other countries. Even if those things are tragic or terrible, they're just not my current concern at the moment because the government of the United States right now is targeting its political opposition for serious persecution. It's very clear about that. There's no confusion. People who held very important positions in the government, the Secretary of State, the lead candidate for the Democratic Party who lost Trump, is calling for the re-education of her political opponents. And she knows what that means. She said specifically the formal re-education. We need to get the government involved in getting rid of our political opponents. And here we know they already are. So people need to know what time it is. If you're sitting in Congress and you want to pretend like you actually represent the right, you actually represent conservatives, if you actually want to pretend like the GOP is a opposition party, try shutting some of this stuff down any way you can, through the funding mechanisms, through anything you can do. To make sure that these people are not in charge. These people are not able to affect their plan of shutting down political opposition in the United States. A lot of people said 2020 was a one-time thing. The left will never be able to, sudden, to, to summon that kind of energy again. The woke will be put away. Uh, you know, the, 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 the threat of the left manipulating this stuff will be put away. It was a one-time thing because they saw Trump as such a threat and will go back to normal elections. If you read this article and you believe that, you've lost your mind. That's not what's happening. And they print an article like this to let you know that. This article is not a mistake. It's a message. All right, guys. Uh, looks like we have a super chat or two here. So let me jump over to the questions of the people real quick. Let's see. Deuce Boogaloo here for $20 American. Thank you very much, sir. appreciate that. Normally, I like you uh, oppose U.S. intervention in foreign conflicts, but I have found out nine Americans were murdered in Israel on Saturday, and many are being held hostage in Gaza. Does this justify U.S. involvement? And if so, what? That's a really good question, right? That, that's a good question. Because the question is, <clears throat> is there a reason to get involved? And if there is going to be any reason, that would be it, to be fair. Like, it is... The actual job of the United States military, its real job, not its fake job, which is running around all over the world protecting quote-unquote democracy, its real job is to protect United States citizens. Its real function is to protect the borders and the security of the United States and its people. So if there are people being held by Hamas, being killed by Hamas, that's, a real, that's where the rubber really meets the road, right? So how do we answer this question? I think there's a couple things to think about here. And I'm doing this off the cuff on a live stream, guys. So give me a second because I, I want to I think about this and phrase it correctly. 
obviously these deaths are not tragedy is the wrong word because they were it's not it's not like a a random car accident or a lightning strike or an act of god it was a murder right and if they're still being held hostage that that's an active choice that hamas is making now is it the job of the united states to free american hostages i think the answer to that is probably yes however does that mean that the u.s has to go to war with palestine does that mean it has to fund israel's defense no i don't think those are the same thing i don't think american hostages can't do anything about those that are dead unfortunately but i don't think living american hostages uh mean the same thing as america and israel become the same country and this becomes the same struggle the truth is a lot of people are used to the Pax of america Pax americana they think that americans can just travel anywhere and do anything and they'll be okay and let's be honest american hostages have been held by foreign governments on a regular basis and we have done nothing depending on whether or not we like that government i mean that's just the truth it's tragic but it's the case there have been plenty of americans who are held as prisoners by governments or are you know functionally held hostage for not doing anything probably but they were just in the wrong place i mean who knows maybe their intelligence assets but either way like these people are held right and uh we have not done anything americans are pretty used to, to traveling around and thinking that they're just safe and they don't pay attention to the danger they think they can just go to places and not care you know i'm invincible and so the question is like is america the nation required to go to war every time a, a certain set of americans a few americans decide to put themselves in harm's way like if a bunch of people go into a hostile country and they get arrested or they get held hostage is america required to then go to war with that country i mean that can't be your foreign policy right like you can't just say anytime any American walks into another nation that is hostile to you or is a dangerous place and something bad happens to them, you're automatically at war with that nation. Like that cannot be the way that you do business. But there is a real question of like, can you just leave uh, a bunch of people in the possession of a terrorist group, you know, constantly? Like, obviously that is not good either. I think that has to be, it's a very difficult decision, right? I don't, I don't, but if the answer is you do take military action, you take military action to remove those hostages specifically from that situation. You do not take military action to go to war with another country because this happened in the middle of a blood feud between two ancient enemies. That's not the, that's, that's definitely not the response for that. So I understand what you're saying. But I think the people, my, my response is to the people who are immediately saying, this is an attack on America. This, this means, you know, the, the fate of Israel and America are tied one to one. And any attack on, on Israel is immediately means America has to go to war with not just Palestine, but Iran and anybody else who might be involved. No, I'm sorry. If there is any military operation justified, and I'm not sure if one is, but if one is justified, then it should be targeted in specific to the people being held and it should not be a wider response that snowballs you into a yet another war simply shouldn't be the case uh let's see thuggo here for five dollars do you think people in red states have a full concept of the danger facing the american right no no um though i will say this um a lot of a lot of people in you know some of the younger guys people on the online right they like to make fun of you know they'll get the the boomer cons don't understand the boomer cons don't understand that i don't know man if you talk to some of these people um they're more aware of <laughs> some of the dangers of of the federal government than you might be uh, aware of like they're they're more uh they, they'll listen to you on on the dangers of the american government far far more than you might realize uh sometimes they have a unhealthy uh, understanding of kind of their their relationship with that government 
or uh, their chances of you know of of anything uh, with with certain <laughs> aspects of that government. But uh, I, I think that some of them are are a little more you know the the, the old joke of the boomer pet, pet posting on Facebook is is not that much of a joke uh, for a reason. So there is that. But I, I do not think that in general. Uh, especially the actually more than than the red states i think it's the leadership of the right uh even even you know uh those who are supposed to be um you know kind of america first or whatever i think those are more out of touch perhaps with the danger facing the american right uh than uh than kind of the average red state uh retired guy though to be honest that could be because those people are simply part of the system and they can't imagine a moment where the system turns on them or they don't want to imagine a moment where the system turns on them because they enjoy their kind of cushy situation right now. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. But that said, thank you, everybody, for coming by. Uh, if you have not subscribed to the channel, now is a great time to do so. And of course, if you want to get these broadcasts as podcasts, make sure that you go ahead and subscribe to the Or McIntyre Show on your favorite podcast platform. If you do, go ahead and give a, a, a rating or review. That really helps with the algorithm. Also, today is Columbus Day. I did write an article on my stub, my Substack last year about Columbus Day. I went ahead and reposted it today uh, because you know, none of those thoughts have changed. But if you want to check that out, that is over my stub, Substack. Thanks for coming by, guys. And as always, I will talk to you next time.